Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Fear the Phoenix podcast. My name is Brian Dickman and the roller coaster ride of a season continues as Green Bay settles for another split this past weekend, knocking off IUPUI on Thursday morning before losing at UIC on Saturday afternoon. Of course, that split comes a week after they split last weekend, uh, falling against Northern Kentucky at the Crest Center before knocking off league-leading Wright State two days later back on February 2nd at the Resch Center. Get it to Gentry. Gentry, he's a desperation three. Back iron, no good, and Green Bay takes down league-leading Wright State 92-89 to here at the Resch Center. Wow, that one was right on line and just off the mark. I'm not going to lie to you, Bill. I thought that was good off I his did hand. Too. I did, too. And just a little bit strong and goes off to the side, and Green Bay gets a big victory here at the Res Center. That was Brian Kuklinski and Bill Rabier on the call, audio courtesy of WDUZ and Learfield IMG College. But that win over Wright State could pay dividends down the stretch, especially as far as conference tournament seeding tiebreakers go. Uh, the first tiebreaker obviously had to head, but after that, um, the next tiebreaker is each team's you know, record against the first-place team, then against the second-place team, and so on until the tie is broken. And as of right now, only USC and Green Bay have been able to knock off Wright State. So uh, we'll see, especially with things as jumbled as they are now in the standings, that could pay some dividends down the stretch. Uh, but like I said, it's been a real roller coaster of a conference season so far for Green Bay, and it, you know these past two weeks have been no different. Um, I'm hoping Cordero Barkley can help make some sense out of what has been a really up and down season so far. Um, you know they've shown they can hang with the two best teams in the league, but they've also shown they can get blown out by anybody too. So uh, there's a lot to talk about. So let's get right to it. Here's my interview with Cordero Barkley. My guest today is a voice that will be very familiar to Green Bay Phoenix fans. He was a standout at Racine St. Catharines High School, where he won a state championship as a senior in 2005, before going on to play 125 games in a Green Bay uniform from 2005 to 2010. He remains close to the program, providing color commentary for Green Bay men's and women's basketball home games on ESPN3 and ESPN+. He also remains active on the UW-Green Bay campus as a member of numerous boards and committees, and in his spare time, he runs the Green Bay Purple Aces AAU program, and he has a day job as the Director of Finance and Investments at Titletown Tech. You're a busy guy, Cordero Barkley. Did I miss anything? <laughs> I think you got it all. I think you got it all. And I, I happen to be married to Aaron 
formerly Templin Barkley uh, now, who is a uh, is uh, kind of has her own legacy in her own right as a women's basketball player. So that'd be the only thing you left out. Yeah, yeah, that's important to throw that one in there. Um, well, so thanks for joining me. It's good to finally be able to get you on. Uh, I mentioned 125 games played in the Green Bay uniform. Did you know that's the 10th most in program history? I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, I, I, uh, I actually I always forget about it. Andrew Gavin brought it up like four or five years ago, and I didn't even know that. Uh, but definitely, I think um, you look at the players that have played in the program and had the opportunity to to um, have an impact. I think it's uh, it's cool to just kind of you know, even as a role player and being a star in your role. That's a one of my favorite sayings from the Kowalczyk World Area uh, era, should I say? Um, just kind of looking at that, I was just, you know, I was a role player. I wasn't, you know, the, the Ramon Fletcher or Kiefer Sykes by any means, but, um, you know, I had a value in different ways. So, so definitely uh, it's cool to kind of see your name, you know, amongst some really cool um, and really prominent players. I was going to say, so that list, Jordan Faust, Carrington Love are at the top 134 games. A couple of your teammates are next, Troy Cotton, Terry Evans had 131. Then it goes Ramon Fletcher, Kiefer Sykes, Brakeese Perrine, Mike Schachner, Alec Brown, and Cordero Barkley. That's, that's a pretty good list. <laughs> yeah, I might be. I'm probably the only one not catching the Hall of Fame for my, my participation on the court. That's a good <laughs> list. <laughs> I would I would take that list in the pickup game versus anybody. Man, that's that's some good ball right there. Right. So some bad news though. Um, so Cam Hankerson is at 121 right now, meaning he's probably going to pass you before the end of this month. But uh, you had a good 10-year run in the top 10. You know, hey, you got to you got to take it where you got to get in where you can fit in. And Cam Cam just going over a thousand points to uh, see how hard he works at the craft. Um, and uh, no surprise that he's been able to contribute at such a high level and so consistently um, over his career. Uh, very very uh, getting passed by anybody is uh, it's, it's good to be passed by him. So. One thing I forgot to mention, you won a Division II state championship in 2005. None of this Division III or Division IV stuff. Uh, I looked it up. (laughs) You had 12 points and 11 rebounds in a 52-50 win over Seymour. Uh, So sorry to anyone listening in Seymour if I reopen any old wounds by bringing that up. But uh, (laughs) you're at the beginning of a bit of a basketball dynasty at St. Cat's. Uh, I think it was six state appearances in seven years from 2005 to 2011, yeah. five titles in that seven year span, including yours in 2005. Uh, just a pretty impressive run for St. Cats in the mid to late two thousands. Yeah, it was, um, that was fun. So our coach Letch, um, one great man, um, taught me a ton of life lessons, like way bigger than basketball at that point in my life, you know, think of 14 to 18, the impact that you can have on a young man from racing um, at that, at that, like at that stage in my life, he was so critical in regards to the discipline and the structure and um, just the life lessons. And so, uh, so it's cool to be kind of, um, we went through, we ended up coming up short, like my freshman, sophomore and junior year in sectionals. And, um, and so senior year, it's like, man, like what do we need to do to kind of get over the hump? And his wife had just passed away. And um, my teammate Jamie DeMatthew and I, we ended up talking coaching and coming back. It's like, hey, we have a really good, like super unselfish, like just a really good team with good dudes. Not that we didn't before, but this team just felt different. And um, so he ends up coming back, and we kind of just played for him to a degree. And um, 
and it was cool. We, we ended up losing one game, I think, to, like, J.R. Blount, who ended up being a, a foe of ours in the Horizon League at Loyola University down in Chicago. Um, lost to them by one. I think I think uh, I always give them a hard time because I was hurt that game. I think I would have made a one-point difference. But either way, we ended up losing one game that whole season. And um, my, my uh, buddy Devron Bostic, who ended up playing at Minnesota, he hit shot 52% on the season from the free throw line. He ends up hitting the, the two free throws to put us up. Uh, it was actually a tie game, late 50-50. And we ended up winning 52-50. And, uh, and it kind of, for him, the springboarded his confidence to the next year. He was first team um, All-State and had a heck of a uh, senior season himself. So junior and senior season, I think so. Just uh, really cool to kind of be a part of that, be on the front end of that, and, and then watch the standard continue to to um, continue and then evolve. Like I feel like the basketball for a stretch there got better and got to watch Jordan Faust come through and win a title as well. And so this was really cool to uh, see that tradition carry on. And I think when you leave any type of program, that's what you you know you hope you leave it in a better place and then leave a foundation for people to build on. Right. It's worth noting that the current team this year is undefeated at 17 and 0 as we record this right now, and ranked number one in Division Three. So uh, safe to say, yeah. St. Cats is back. Um, yeah, don't shortchange my guys down there now. They get it done. <laughs> they got a guy named uh, Therese Hunter, number two prospect in the state's 2021 class. So um, you might have to work your magic, help Green Bay land him. Uh, he's got Texas A&M and DePaul offers and a bunch of other mid-majors. So you, you might have your work cut out for him, but uh, you might have to see yeah. what you can do there. Yeah, he's uh, he's on a completely different level. I know the staff is is aware of him, but he's, he is uh, – He's a high major kid, and he's, he's steadily getting better. He's you know hit the weights now, and he's getting bigger and whatnot. And uh, super explosive, but a hyper skilled guard. Um, so I uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, I will keep sending. You know, I wear my gear down when I go down there. You know, I let them know, hey, we had we had a big dub. You know, and I I try to chime, but it's um can't can't recruit, but I can chime. Yeah, <laughs> So, uh, so speaking of recruiting, if you can think back to to those high school days, what was your recruiting process like? I mean, you were second team all state, Racine County Player of the Year. Did you enjoy that process? Was it stressful? What was that recruiting process like for you? No, it was it was fun. I think um, you know, looking back at that time period, like it was uh, um, my mom and I, and then I played for the Wisconsin and out of Wisconsin Playground Warriors. Um, but, but Coach Richie Davis, got to shout him out. And um, and Coach Logan Floor, who works with uh, the Brian Bush Academy now. Um, you know, they kind of, you know, I started off with my with my local team. And um, it was like the time it was racing heat because Karan Butler was with the heat. And so he sponsored the team. But, um, you know, some of the guys weren't focused in at the level that I was and weren't as goal-driven as I was at the time. So I had to step away from that, which was tough. Um, but ended up uh, coming, you know, driving up to Oshkosh and, you know, working on the weekends to help pitch in on the travel and, and all of that to do AAU. And, um, and it was, uh, it was fun, man. I ended up getting a few offers. Um, you know, I remember, you know, Milwaukee, my mom did not like coach Pearl. So uh, Milwaukee was off the table. Like, you know, I was, my goal was to kind of stay within a four hour radius of home. Um, so it kind of eliminated some of my recruitment in that regard. Um, cause I wanted to be closer to my family and my, my youngest brother is 10 years younger than me. So I wanted to be there for him, but, uh, Green Bay, I came to Green Bay. I was really adamant with all the other coaches that, you know, I wanted to go to school for business as well. And I think some of the other professors just thought I was a jock and, um, and coach, uh, Kowalczyk and, and, uh, the crew, they did a great job. They had, you know, 
Now, McCartney, I'll never forget. I, I met Don uh, McCartney, who's now a retired professor. I met him on my visit, and um, and Professor Coates, who's now retired as well. Like, you know, when we sat down and talked through what the business school looked like, and uh, that meant the world to my mom and I, just trying to, you know, change the the um, the uh, path, you know what I mean? So coming out of Racine, and, and so, uh, so that was huge. That was a big part of the reason. Obviously, I gelled with the guys, Brandon Morris, who I grew up playing against in the Brave Center, who's from Kenosha. Um, he was here, and so I jailed with him, and and, um, and he just understood it. You know, he's like, hey, coming from the city, you know, school is uh, it's, uh, set up for you to succeed in regards to you'd have to have extreme focus, and, and this is a space to be focused in on the craft and on your schoolwork. So, so it was good, man. It was a, a great, um, you know, I don't have some people I stressful and all that. Like, I have in my goals that, like, I wanted to be a Division One basketball player, and I was reaching my goals. Nothing stressful about it. Just keep a focus and uh, and uh, trying to avoid some of the traps that you can fall into now. And racing uh, was the biggest thing, uh, but the basketball part and, and that process was was uh, was fun more than anything. So I read that you could have walked on at Wisconsin. Is, is that something that you seriously considered? I mean, just in the recent past, obviously Trevor Anderson left Green Bay to walk on at Wisconsin. Uh, is that something that you seriously considered or was that just kind of like, mm, no, thank you? No, so my, <laughs> funny story. So my mom and I, we go, go up to Milwaukee and my, my uh, one of the guys that stood up at my wedding, uh, it's actually Jordan Faust's uh, um, uncle, Matt. He comes up with me and we met with Bo Ryan. He kind of laid out you know, the two-year and then revisit the two-year walk-on uh, preferred and then revisit a scholarship in two years. And, and uh <laughs> We're walking out the room, and Ryan Tillman was actually on that visit too. He comes in the room, and Tilly was was probably the better prospect. He ended up being a better player too. He was a better prospect, so he got a lot more attention. But we just was like, you got four ride offers. And like our family couldn't afford to pay for tuition. I didn't see any purpose in in, um, in having debt. And then from a um, like I don't know, I'm kind of I wouldn't say arrogant, but probably really really confident in my own own abilities. I was like, well, if I get a degree from anywhere. Like, I'm going to shine in whatever space I get. So, to me, it just didn't have necessarily, for me personally, the um, appeal to go and sit on the bench and not have a chance to compete for playing time mm-hmm. um, just to maybe get a, get a you know, perceived better degree. You know what I mean? I, you know, I just, from, the, from the big state school, I just didn't have that, that mentality. I was like, I'm going to, you know, big time is where you're at. And so, you know, I think I have the, the privilege of hindsight now, like, from a business standpoint, like I've tackled a lot of my goals professionally, you know, at 30, 32, um, in regards to the different positions I wanted to work and position I wanted to be in. And, you know, I just kind of, you wouldn't get the chance to build the connections as necessarily as a walk-on as you do with someone that contributes and plays and is involved in the community. So, um, so no, I, I never really took it, you know, it was, it was fun. It was, you know, Bo was awesome. He had some racing backgrounds with Dominican college. So he was able to kind of um, talk through some of that with my mom, but it was um, it was more like, hey, appreciate it, but you know we're going to look at the schools we have offers from. Right. So thankfully, yeah. you choose Green Bay. You were part of some really good, fun teams during your playing days, uh, especially you know ending with back-to-back 20-plus win seasons to finish your career. Those teams had Terry Evans dunking and playing defense. Mike Schachner, Ryan Tillema, Troy Cotton hitting threes, Ramon Fletcher running the point. Uh, do you still stay in contact with those guys or your other teammates? And how closely do 
do they follow the program and you know other former players how, how closely are they following the program and this current team yeah so one of those yeah those are my brothers we uh um, we had a really close-knit group and we still stay in contact a ton um you know guys are um, in that family mode the wedding kids house so uh so we have a lot of excuses to get together whether it's bachelor parties or weddings or um, housewoman parties uh, we've done a really good job of staying connected and um and now some of us have grown in our our professional careers i think um our business has even taken us to some of the towns that you know some of them stay in pat nelson's out in seattle uh, i think i'll be out there pretty soon um on a trip and i'll be visiting with him i was just in st louis i wasn't able to connect with terry um evans but i'll be back in st louis again so so we we stayed in contact via phone and, and uh we want to connect but you know the guys in the area we uh we try to make it you know, every year we try to get together, whether it's in Chicago or Milwaukee, and um, and uh, and just you know get caught up. And and we say if we create the tradition now, it can't be taken away from us by the bosses, and the bosses be the wives. So uh, so if we create <laughs> the tradition now, <laughs> um, then it's expanded. So we do a good job most of the time. To be honest with you, like we don't necessarily congratulate each other for on any success. We just roast each other. So like if you do something yeah. well, like you just end up in the group text getting roasted for whatever the. So like for me with my press release or whatever it is roasted me um <laughs> told me i look like jj walker and all types of stuff but that's how we <laughs> congratulate people for, for their continued success man so it's, it's a good crew love my guys and um you know even just was you know the keith perrine's over overseas and you know um you know facebook because of the time difference we stay in touch and then you got the generational or not the generational but the uh the different eras like Kiefer sykes al mckinney like we text probably you know i want to say everyone probably t- texting with Kiefer once a week and now checking in with him twice uh, twice a month. And, and, um, and so, you know, those we all, it's kind of been, we've done a, a really good job of, you know, kind of trying to keep the guys connected. And uh, and I think that'll uh, lead, especially when life slows down for some of these guys, to them being, um, even though, you know, it's not like they're not connected to the program, being, being even more connected to the program. Um, that's going to slow down and life kind of isn't so busy. In, the, right. in that 28 to 32 year old phase. Yep, I I hear that. Um, so, off the top of your head, I, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but do you have a favorite game or a favorite favorite moment as a as a player? I mean, our times overlapped on campus a little bit, so there's a couple of really obvious ones. But uh, just curious <laughs> um, if you have one that stands out. Uh, there's plenty of good moments to choose from. Yeah. So as a as a game, I think obviously the Wisconsin game stands out. Um, I think that's that's probably cherry picking, right? Low hanging fruit, super senior right. year, um, beating Wisconsin on the home court after they beat Duke. Um, I think more so the backstory. Like uh, I'm pretty sure Coach K probably almost had a heart attack that day because we had 17 inches of snow. Right. And due to Wisconsin having a larger larger bu- budget than us, they were able to drive up and stay up here the night before. They didn't drive up the day the day of. Um, like most mid-majors would do, right? And so they ended up being here, which was like, well, we might as well play the game. Um, and so we got 17. So we, we each had to shovel our way, like, out of the dorms to go eat and whatnot. And so <laughs> when we get to the shoot-around, we literally, like, we couldn't make a shot. Everybody was long on their shots. And it was just brutal. Like, it was, co- like, comical to the point, like, Coach K was like, let's just shut it down. Like, there's no point in shooting right now. And so then we were like, well, then we got, you know, got to get down for pregame. That was at like 3 o'clock, so pregame's at like 5, 5.30, you come out and warm up. We didn't like no one who was hitting shots in warm-ups. Like, this is about to be just brutal, right? <laughs> and um, But then we get to the game, and we couldn't miss. Like, I remember we 
we put up 88 points um, on Wisconsin. You know, at that time, they were playing really good defense and, uh, and so we ended up winning in OT. But um, just the backstory, we, like when we talk about that game, we never really talk about the game. We talk about all the other stuff that went into it. It was just a, such an odd day to play a game um, with all that snow we got. Right. Yeah, that was a couple of days after my 21st birthday, so that that was a good time. Um, <laughs> so uh, so after your playing days are over, what made you want to go into broadcasting? Did did you have any prior experience or training, or did you just kind of dive headfirst and and ran with it? No, so I actually um so like I so I guess career wise I went into banking and then I was coming to the games and like bringing clients and stuff to the games on the side and uh, and so I was at like a lot of the games out of my after my my uh, senior season and uh, obviously I was still connected w- with the guys on the team and and so um and so at that time Coach Kowalczyk had had left for Toledo and then Coach Water was in his first year so after the first year they had a had an opening in, on the radio um, and. He was like, ACB, you're at all the games anyways. You think you know what you're talking about with basketball. Um, like, why don't you just do the games? He was like, you, you know, you get access to, to what's going on in the program, and, you know, you're a trusted voice. And, and so Coach Wardle actually was the one that, you know, he put me on. And then um, I learned a ton from Matt Menzel. So Matt Menzel just was like the most prepared um, broadcaster ever. And so I kind of, like, at first, I, I, I take everything I do very serious. After my first couple of games, I'm like, like, yeah, this actually is pretty fun. I mean, you get, you know, to sit at your alma mater, you get courtside seats, and you get to talk about the program and kind of get some inside knowledge and, and uh, network with some of the other coaching staffs. And as a player, right, you get to know a lot of the coaching staff, so you get to talk to them in a different capacity. And so it was just fun. So I ended up doing that for a couple of years. And then, um, you know, even though I thought I had a face for radio, they moved me over to TV. <laughs> and so I uh, ended up uh, starting to do some special sport games with uh, with with, uh, with Roth, with Chris Roth, and then um, that led to when they got the ESPN three deal. Ended up being the face for the men's and women's just for consistency's sake. And, um, and so, so yeah, so that just it's it's been like one of the most fun part time gigs ever. I, like I get to talk to the coaches, and like me, I still coach and participate. Like you share with the Wisconsin Purple Aces, so like our girls program. But you just like you stay engaged in the game. You're always thinking late game situations, silent out of bounds plays, and and um, different strategy. And it just makes me I don't know it makes you a better coach as well. It keeps you you know in a different capacity. Like you prep like you would for a game, um, like you were playing, and you want to do a good job for both teams like you would for a game. You get a pregame rush um, before the broadcast is live because you know if you say something dumb, it's not like. You want to go viral, right? So it's like it's like um, still being in the game without being in the game. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. just going to be attached to it in a different capacity. And it definitely gives me a level of appreciation um, for those that, that do it, you know, for a true, like, like this is people's jobs. Like they're just broadcasters. It's a grind and uh, the preparation and whatnot. So I would appreciation for it more than anything. So let's dig into this current team a little bit. Uh, mixed bag of results over the past two weeks, losing at home to Northern Kentucky, but then knocking off league-leading Wright State two days later. Then they went out on the road, and they finally beat their nemesis IEPUI, but followed that up with a really disappointing loss to UAC on Saturday. Uh, it's kind of been the story of the whole conference season for them, really, up and down with nice wins and then some really puzzling losses. So, I mean... This is a pretty experienced roster, Cordero. What do you think is causing that inconsistency? 
Or is it just as simple as there's a lot of parity in the conference this year? I think it's a combo of both. I, I think, you know, people take for granted that there's, you know, on any given night, there's, like, you look at, you know, there's guys in the league right now from this conference consistently. You know, you look at, even when we were playing Norris Cole, um, I don't know why I can't think of my guy from uh, Oakland that's with Miami right now, tearing it up. Um, Kendrick Nunn, I think. Uh, Kendrick Nunn. Like, yeah. again, Kendrick, like, those teams at Oakland, like, they didn't win conference. He's in the league, like, contributing, right? So, yeah, let me get a night. Yeah, the month the past couple months, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, there's talent in the league, and it's on any given night, like, you could be going up against a guy that's playing in the league next year. So, I think that's a piece of it. Um, also think, you know, when you're counting on, you know, younger guys to a degree, Lamar Davis playing big, big minutes, um, not blaming him at all, but like, there's a learning curve um, on both ends of the ball, right? And so I think just trying to find some of that continuity as a unit, you know, they had to spell a few weeks back here too where the whole team was sick, so then all of a sudden you're not practicing consistently in the middle of the season. Um, I think, you know, there's definitely contributing factors, um, and at the end of the day, right now, they sit, they're still in the hunt, even with some of the miscues on some of those, you know, losses that you wouldn't expect to have. Um, but they balance it off with going and going and getting some games that, you know, um, I watch social media, people count them out. So, um, so I just, I just think, uh, you know, at the end of the day in the Horizon League, win conference, cool. If you win conference and you lose in the first round of the tournament, you're not getting an at-large bid. So to me, you know, how hot are you heading into that conference tournament? Can you win three games in three days uh, or four days, right? And, and yep. to me, that's, uh, that's, the, that's the gambit. And, um, and so, you know, I think neutral site with the way they can score and people don't give them enough credit the last four games, they've actually been pretty solid from a percentage standpoint defensively. Um, yeah. You know, um, I think, you know, in a, in a, I don't want to see them from anybody in the league you know, on a neutral site with the way they can shoot and get hot. And I do think um, if they're defending better and Lynx teams historically have gotten better throughout the course of the season on the defensive end, you can find that balance of scoring. You have to defend in the conference tournament because Lynx get heavy on those later days. Um, you know, if they can find that balance, I mean, the league to me is, I wouldn't say it's wide open, but it's open. You know what I mean? There's obviously a couple of teams that you feel like are at the top of right state and the Northern Kentucky's of the world. But, um, but you know, to me, you know, Anybody can has been proven. Anybody can be beat be on any given night. You bat that neutral side in, um, it gets really interesting. Yep, yep, I agree. Uh, Green Bay heads into this weekend at seven and six in a three-way tie for fourth, uh, half game behind third place Youngstown State, and three games behind second place Northern Kentucky with five games to play. So it seems like that uh, second seed and the double bye that comes with it, it's probably out of reach just because Northern Kentucky's finally getting healthy and they're I think they've won nine of their last ten, so they're they're red hot. Um, but yeah, there is still a lot to play for. Um, absolutely. You know, one thing I wanted to touch on, you got to call the game a couple of Sundays ago when Green Bay knocked off Wright State, uh, which was clearly their biggest win of the year so far. Um, that, was, that was a pretty good game. Wright State led for yeah. you know a lot of the game. Uh, Green Bay goes on a 14 to three run in the second half to take the lead. It's back and forth until the PJ pipes three pointer with seven minutes left, uh, puts them up for good. I thought Wright state did a really good job of the, the foul and chase game there at the end. I mean, James yeah. Mann's hit two three pointers, uh, with under a minute left to, 
to keep it interesting. Cole Gentry gets a yeah. decent look at the game tying shot. Um, but Green Bay hung on. I mean, what were some of your takeaways from that game? Well, one, I know Wright State wanted to make sure that Coach Darner's heart worked. So, uh, so I know he was beating <laughs> <laughs> fast. Man. I was like, oh, man. Um, I take a couple things. So, um, when Green Bay rebounds, they're, they're really, really good. They out-rebounded a very tough uh, Wright State team. Uh, so they're plus one on the boards. Um, people look at it, I ask people, they score that Wright State score 89 points. And I'm like, well, you know, Wright State only shot 42% from the floor. Um, and so, you know, Green Bay missed, I think they're pretty sure, I'm looking, uh, I think they missed 15 free throws, if I'm calling the stat, stat sheet correctly. Yes. And so I think of how many points they left on the free throw line, too. That game, in theory, you know, really should have been, you know, probably if they shoot the way they normally shoot from the line, um, probably like, you know, closer to a 100-point game for them. So I just felt like they, they did a good job. That was the most selfish I had seen them play. Um, I was surprised that they didn't have more assists because I, just, I only remember like two shots of that question um, from the entire team. I think Jaquan had a, had a shot, and he like, as soon as he shot, he hit the floor and started apologizing uh, to his teammates. But no one had like any – there's no – there wasn't a ton of wasted possessions. It was just a really good team win, and they got it done on both ends of the court. So – so that was kind of my takeaway from that game. And I was like, if they can do that consistently um, in regards to just the movement and then the commitment on defensive end, the gang rebounding, um, you know, even the scouting report, I just remember guys were, you know, dialed into the scouting report, taking things away um, at, you know, especially in key moments and out of timeouts and whatnot. I just think if they can do that, again, anybody can be beaten in the Rising League. And I agree, they can definitely be a disruptor when, when that conference tournament hits. Yeah, in the in the earlier meeting, uh, Green Bay got dominated in the paint. I think it was 32 to 16. Uh, I'm looking at it here now, and they got out rebounded 50 to 32 in that game. And a lot of it is because Loudon Love is probably the front runner for the Player of the Year in the conference. He's just such a dominant player, and he did get 21 and nine in this game. Uh, but I thought Manny Patterson actually did a really good job on him. You know, just bodying him up in the post. I think he drew a couple of charges in that game. Uh, yeah, know, I, yeah, I enjoyed yeah. watching Manny go to work against him. Yeah, well, Matt, Manny, uh, he's, he does not lack confidence, especially on the defensive end. Um, and and um, I think in those type of matchups, you, you know, again, you're not going to necessarily, like, that was always my thing. You're not going to necessarily always just stop a star player. Like, again, like Kendrick Nunn was last year, like the last year, like he was going to go get 20 plus. Like, he was, but you have to make it hard, right? right. So, uh, so I feel like Manny did a, did a good job, um, you know, in and you know, even when London Love was out, like taking away, not letting these other posts come in and get and get points as well. So and took a lot of rebounds off the off the uh, plate. Even though like Love ended up with nine, I still feel like there was like this was a game um, that you know he could have had more if uh, you don't have Patterson out there competing the way he did. So so I definitely um, like I felt like like Patterson at times um, when the matchups make make sense of so, like he's an X factor for the for the Phoenix. You know, can he? not about the scoring it's not about like can he you know be a positional person to play one-on-one in the post like keep green bay out of rotations and uh and then finish help finish plays with, with you know one shot one rebound phoenix pushing in transition so um you know a lot of times that goes underappreciated unless you uh unless you play it or coach you know so right. i definitely think uh you look at that game definitely had an impact in that game i feel like everybody did you look at um the contributions you know i i think of uh of uh, McNair coming in, you know, he didn't play a ton, um, you know, missing uh, some free throws, but I remember he had a stretch where he just had, like, he 
couple free a couple rebounds that were just huge where it would have been putbacks and the energy and then pipes down the stretch, you know, hitting big timely shots even though he hadn't had a good game the whole game. Um, in regards to offense production, he was great defensively. Like at the key time, he stepped up and hit shots. Like that's what you need. Jaquan McLeod, um, I think he ended up in that game. He had some turnovers, but he had some some shots um, in key moments to kind of break either some runs or out of the timeouts just to kind of keep the cushion. So, like that's what you need. Even when you don't have a perfect game, you can overcome that with team basketball. I feel like they did a great job in that game. Right. Yeah. Contributions up and down the roster. Uh, overall, really good team win. The other thing I took away from this game was uh, Cole Gentry and Jalen Hall, who are two of the better guards in the league. Uh, Green Bay held them to single digits, which is pretty good for them. Yeah. Uh, Billy Wampler only had nine, although he was battling foul trouble. But, I mean, yeah. everyone likes to talk about the Green Bay defense, and they actually played pretty well in that game defensively, I thought. Uh, like you said, yeah. despite uh, giving up 89, but, um, you know, a lot of that is the pace. Yeah, right. This is weird. Yeah, definitely the pace. I think that goal is way, way underlooked with the style of hoops. And again, just my thing, you know, down the stretcher, can you put string it together? So, like, I look at the UIC game, wasn't necessarily the defense spin, you know, 58 points. You know, Northern Kentucky game, you know, is that more Northern Kentucky or is that Green Bay, right? Um, you know, Green Bay right. only put, six, put up 62 points in that game. They held, they held both teams at 71. You would take that, you know, you so told, told Link, hey, we're, you're going to hold the other team to 71. And you go, okay, it's probably a game of winning, right? So, yeah. Um, so I, I haven't been, you know, and I'm I'm the guy, like, I understand the process, too. Like, I've, I've been able to, you know, uh, I'm, this year, not so much with my new job, but years past, like, Coach Darnes, it's, a, it's a, a marathon, not a sprint, right? So, you're going to be playing your best basketball in the February and in the March. And, uh, and I, I just feel like, I don't know, just looking at the, uh, the progression, in regards to some of the pieces offensively and defensively. Um, you know, it's not like, you know, also UIC is UIC is not a bad team. They got a lot of talent. So um so I just think uh, if you can get some, you know, to me you can get some wins down the stretch here, walk into the conference play feeling good about yourself or into the conference tournament feeling good about yourself. Um, you know, like our chances. I agree. You know, one thing I wanted, uh, one last thing I wanted to talk about, and then I, I can let you go. I know you you got to get going, but um, um, so Green Bay is taking on Milwaukee on Saturday. Milwaukee won the first matchup, 87 to 80, back in January. Um, you know, it was a one point game with 6:15 left, but UWM, I mean, they basically had an answer for everything that Green Bay did after that. They shot 50% for the game, 52% from three. Uh, Green Bay was only four for 12 on threes. T. John Lucas and Darius Roy combined for 54 points. I mean, a lot of those looks were wide open, kind of like Burke and Minette from IUPUI have had yeah. in both games against Green yeah. Bay this year. So is that is that like a, a schematic issue? Uh, is that an effort issue fighting through screens? Or, or what do you think is causing these guards to be so wide open, you know, for, for these looks from beyond the arc? Well, Milwaukee did so. I feel like Milwaukee did a, a really good job of uh, we call it negotiating at the point of contact in that in that ball screen action. Um, and so, like they just won a lot of those negotiations. They put a lot of pressure on the weak side defense to make a decision. And so, uh, so like when you got you know middle of the court ball screens with a roller, that that opposite weak side, you know, you got the corner, uh, the offensive player in the corner, the offensive player in the wing. That weak side has to. Sh- shrink the court and suck the whole defense in and rotate over to take away that roll action. And the guards did a great job 
like like finding that opposite side with straight line passes. So part of it probably is somewhat, you know, schematic um, in regards to how are you taking away some of those passing, those uh, those lanes, those passing lanes, and making making the guards get some air on the pass. And um, and so it's just good execution, right? Pick and, pick and roll is a first play in basketball. It's, it still works. It's still being run today because it works. And so I felt like in uh, in this specific game, the Milwaukee game, the first time, like Milwaukee was just really, really good at making every single read every time in uh, in the pick and roll action. Now, as a coach, you know, what, you, what what's the adjustment? You know, halftime um, and then into this game, we'll, we'll get to see. Um, but even, you know, I look at the Manette, the IUPUI games, like kind of similar. They just, those guys, they were, they got good looks, they got quality looks, so you have to question at times, you know, whether it's effort or, or uh, schematics. Um, guys are getting wide open looks, but, you know, I, I just think uh, – to like, if you can take that film and learn from it, and not make the same mistake twice, and figure out a way to to get everybody bought into what they need to do in regards to uh, defending that that action. Uh, this game, you know, it's all that matters. You can you know dwell on the past or worry about it. it's really about moving forward. So have an opportunity in state rival. Uh, everyone everyone knows what the forty three battle means recruitment, style of play, trash talk, like all of that. Um, a lot of in state guys on both rosters. Uh, a lot of guys from the same region that played against each other in AAU growing up on the rosters, right? So you all know each other. You want to win this game. So uh, so I definitely think uh, and for Green Bay, it would be a revenge game to a degree. You get a chance to, to uh, you know, write the ship from, from the loss earlier. So I think there's, uh, besides jockeying for conference positioning, um, you know, there's just a simple pride pride piece that, you know, I would expect just knowing this team and knowing uh, the coaching staff that, that they'll uh, have an emphasis on this game. But at the end of the day, it's still, like, people think like, oh, you make it this really big thing. It's still a game. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> you lace it up and, you know, you trust your work that you put in in preparation and you don't try to make it bigger than what it is, but you always know this game is typically a little bit more chippy, um, et cetera, et cetera, because of what it just kind of means. So, so yeah, so it's just, um, you know, I think uh, to answer your questions, part of it is, you know, probably in the moment, you know, thinking through what you worked on all week and executing it. And then even though they may hit some shots, not getting down when people hit shots, like just continue to trust what you're doing. Yeah. And the last thing I was going to bring up was uh, I thought it was really interesting. You mentioned on the broadcast of that first matchup that, you know, the dislike between the two schools started at the top with Bruce Pearl and Todd Kowalczyk not really getting along. Um, it was kind of, you know, I thought that was really interesting, uh, especially because I mentioned on my last podcast episode that I thought this rivalry has kind of cooled down a little bit. Um, but I think that has more to do with the fact that Green Bay has just kind of dominated the last few years. Um, yeah. But now hopefully, you know, with Milwaukee winning the first game, I think this, this time around it'll be uh, – a little bit more spicy, a little more chippy. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see, man. I definitely, back in the day, man, I mean, like, genuinely those two did not like each other. Uh, and Coach Kowalczyk had, you know, had his reasons. I think Pearl, Coach Pearl had the investigation come out. And, um, and obviously look at some of the recruitment, recruitment that was involved. If you go back on your history, and you'll see why he was kind of upset. Um, knowing some of that in the back seat, the side, the side of things and not being able to speak on it, but... Like, we genuinely, like, we played pickup with those guys in the summer. we go up to Milwaukee and whatnot. And, like, but, like, once it was, like, even then it was, like, like the Green Bay guys versus the Milwaukee guys, even though we were all from the same area. Like, it was, a, like, it'd be tension in the gym even during the summer, but it was, like, we can get good run. And then during the season it was just, like, 
um, like hyper comp- competition, like just pride and, and all of that. So I do agree with you. At one point, I felt like it, it kind of like the dominance here recently kind of simmered it down. But at the same time, like, you know, you talk about recruits and getting your next group of players in, like the other games that you want to win as a coach, you can go back and say, yeah, you could, oh, you got an offer from them and stay kid, but we beat them, you know, we, we split with them or we beat them twice. And that stuff matters. So it'll be interesting to see. Yep. Looking forward to it. Agreed. All right, you can find him on Twitter at Cordero Barkley. He's no longer at I'm C Barks. Um, <laughs> thank you. I've been wanting to have you on for so long, so it was great to finally be able to talk to you. I know you got to get going, but uh, thanks so much for providing your time and your insight, and, and hopefully we can do it again soon. Yeah, man, you just got it. You got that crazy busy schedule, man. You got to find some time to work me in more often. I know. I got a, I got an eight month old daughter, so it, it, my time is pretty limited. <laughs> Thanks. No, I'm just messing with you. I know this time was on me. I've been flying everywhere for work, so I appreciate you having me, and, and I love the coverage and appreciate all you're doing for the program as well um, in regards to getting extra exposure and shining a light on some of the things in regards to recruitment and everything as well. So I uh, definitely appreciate the time. My thanks again to Cordero for taking some time to talk Green Bay hoops with me. Uh, I know he's a busy guy, so... I've been wanting to have him on the podcast for a few months now, basically, and uh, I'm glad we were finally able to make it happen. Uh, we One thing we touched on, and I talked about this with Jim Serio last week, was the rivalry with Milwaukee, obviously. Uh, that's top of mind right now with the game coming up on Saturday. You know, I, I have kind of been saying the, the rivalry's lost some juice. Like, There's a scene in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where they're trying to reignite the rivalry, and, and they just can't get there. Oh, boom! The rivalry's back on, it's boys. It is back on. He rivalry's is. back on? Oh, yeah, it's back right. on. Rivalry. Uh, rivalry. 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 God damn it. Uh, this feels forced. I, I'm not into it. I'm definitely forcing it. And I, why is off. it? Something's off, What's dude. up? Yeah. So that's kind of how I had felt until Milwaukee came into the rush center in January and kind of took it to Green Bay. So I do think that's going to inject a little bit of juice into this rivalry. I'm excited to get there on Saturday, and I hope there's going to be a lot of Green Bay fans there uh, as well. So before we get out of here, I just want to give a a few quick shout-outs from the past few days. Uh, The first one, congrats to Amari Davis being named the Horizon League Freshman of the Week for the eighth time this season, tying Dikembe Dixon's record for the most Freshman of the Week awards in a season. You know, it's pretty amazing that before this season, Green Bay only had one player ever named to the Freshman of the Week award, uh, and that was P.J. Pipes back on January 2nd of 2018. Now, to be fair, uh, that award didn't start until 2013, but still, that's that's quite a few seasons. So uh, what what Amari is doing is pretty unprecedented as far as Green Bay's recent history goes. Davis is averaging 15.8 points per game this season, second on the team behind Jaquan McLeod's 16.1 per game. I've mentioned this before, but uh, only Richard Sims and Tony Bennett have scored more per game as a freshman in Green Bay's Division I era. His 412 points scored already ranks as the fifth most points scored by a freshman in program history, and he's got a pretty good shot at reaching Tony Bennett's freshman record of 516, set back in 1989. 
Amari also ranks second in the conference in field goal percentage at a whopping 50.9%, despite nearly two-thirds of his shot attempts being mid-range jumpers, according to BartTorvik.com. You know, only three players in the country have attempted more mid-range shots than uh, Amari Davis this season. So, pretty crazy. Um, the last player named to the all-freshman or all-newcomer team from Green Bay, of course, was Jordan Faust back in 2013. And that's something that Amari has guaranteed this year. And the only newcomer or freshman of the year ever in the program's history was Tony Bennett back in 1989. So pretty unprecedented stuff here from Amari. Also wanted to say quick congrats to Cam Hankerson and Jaquan McLeod, who both passed the 1,000 career point mark on Saturday. They are the 30th and 31st players to reach the 1,000 point mark in the program's 50-year history. And the latest to accomplish the feat in the Link Darner era, joining Carrington Love, Jordan Faust, Khalil Small, and Sandy Cohen. And finally, we'll end with this. A couple weeks ago, I tweeted out kind of a this day in Phoenix history kind of thing on the eight-year anniversary of Kiefer Sykes' bloody jersey game, Victory Over Butler. I tweeted out the ESPNU broadcast video from that game, and a lot of people seem to enjoy it. So I think from now on, I'll try and end the podcast with an interesting occasion Uh, or something like that, you know, from this date in Green Bay Phoenix men's basketball history. So I know it'll be February 12th by the time you're listening to this, but as I record this today on February 11th, on this day in Phoenix basketball history, 31 years ago, we mentioned him earlier, freshman Tony Bennett scored 44 points in a 91-85 loss at Cleveland State, the 44 points in a game still to this day remains the program's Division I single-game record, although Alec Brown came close in 2013, scoring 40 in a victory over Fairfield. And Carrington Love was the most recent player to flirt with the record, scoring 39 points against Youngstown State back in February of 2016. So let's see if we can uh, top that soon. But that'll do it for this episode of the Fear the Phoenix podcast. My thanks again to Cordero for joining me. Don't forget to leave any feedback you may have by posting on the fan forum, fearthephoenix.proboards.com, or by tweeting at me at fearthephoenix or my personal Twitter feed at Brian Dickman with two N's. So thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.